Welcome to Great Thinking, the future of advertising, a podcast where leaders in the UK advertising and creative sectors discuss how they're leading the charge on some of the most important challenges currently facing brands around the world. I'm your host, Dina Mize-Lamperty. I'm here to take you on a journey through the rapidly changing and colliding landscape of advertising, fashion, gaming, entertainment, and sport. Now, as you know, the UK advertising is one of the most dynamic and creatively awarded markets in the world. But with the convergence of these industries, suddenly it presents opportunities for things to change. The lines between these traditionally separate sectors are blurring, and we're seeing the emergence of a new era of creativity and strategic excellence. This is an opportunity for brands, not only to stay relevant, but to become new brand winners. By leveraging the power of technology and data, they can create new and surprising products and experiences that resonate with consumers in ways never seen before. In this podcast, we'll be examining the latest trends with our industry experts and give you a 360 degree view of this exciting new landscape. We'll explore the challenges and opportunities facing businesses as they navigate this convergence, and we'll share the insights on how to succeed in this brave new world. So whether you're a marketer, a business leader, or simply someone who's curious about the future and these industries, this podcast is for you. We'll cover everything from the latest tech breakthroughs to the creative strategies that are driving success across these sectors. So lace up your boots and get ready to run with us on this journey of discovery. So let's welcome these experts I've mentioned for this episode. Joining me is Charlie Cohen, founder of Restless, and Andy Cooper, director at Draw and Code. Welcome. As you're both kind of fully immersed in this kind of mix between this digital, digital, physical, digital, I think they call it digital world. Let's start with um, identifying what opportunities does technology convergence offer brands now and throughout the rest of this decade? What are we looking forward to? Um, Andy, would you like to kick things off? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about what convergence can offer uh, brands um, and audiences um, through experiences. People are valuing um, experience so much more over physical product and really want to uh, share, especially, you know, this kind of post-COVID world, like everybody wants to connect with their fellow human and uh, have joy and laughter. And I think um, using technology to better um, bring these experiences to life and connect uh, people. So looking at um, the likes of uh, the Van Gogh, Dali and Hockney um, immersive experiences, they're really taken off and um, and capturing a new market and a new audience. Um, it's getting feet through the door and bums on seats and bums everywhere to watch the experience and share and also share in a world with with uh, strangers and and I think that that's a a wonderful chance for for brands to connect with these new audiences. And Charlie, your your business is is made for this real world, yeah, this new world that we're in. Um, can you let us know what your views are? So I mean, we're building for digital identity um, and how that reconciles with physical identity. So focused on fashion, um, allowing creators to build their identities for AR and VR, social gaming, um, but also have physical versions um, of these garments that they can be wearing in the real world as well. 
Um, I think like one of the most exciting things about the convergence is this movement from audience to community. Um, because as a brand or a business, you're now able to engage with your customer in a much more collaborative way um, and not think of them so much as a customer, as a, as a co-creator, um, which I think is, you know, in terms of like democratizing industry, um, it gives all of this access that's previously been behind closed doors or gated um, and you get this very direct engagement that I think benefits everybody. Um, brands have this immediate feedback that they can act on um, and the consumer or community um, is able to you know, develop this real loyalty because they're actually genuinely involved in the, in the growth and vision of their favorite brands. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Like the, the community finally feel like it's, it's authentic and genuine. Like folks have real agency in what is created around them and, and how it happens and why it happens. Some of these kind of, you know, uh, headlines you hear about things being bought in these um, digital worlds is quite astonishing. And I think some of them are quite you know, celebrity led as well. Some of these things that reach these headlines and, and some of these collaborations and partnerships. Is that the reason why, Charlie, you jumped fully into this market? Was there an obvious kind of market, an obvious prize, or are you still seeing it growing? And what's it like now for brands? Um, are you doing a lot of work for brands or, or are you mainly representing kind of influencers and individuals in these spaces? So I guess from my side, it was a very sort of slow and natural evolution. So I started a physical fashion brand back in 2012. Um, I, you know, I was born in 1990. I'm very much like a child of internet culture, like MySpace, Tumblr. By the time I started this brand, I was, you know, very, very certain of the importance of my digital identity and that that was equal to my physical identity, if not more valuable. Um, so even starting out with a physical brand, I was really interested in how I could inject internet culture um, into that, into how the brand was experienced. Um, so got into immersive technology early, um, AR and VR, to be able to build out these story worlds around the physical collections. Um, got into designing for uh, video games and this idea of digital um, around 2019, uh, really got to kind of push into it through the pandemic um, when suddenly we were positioned to create these virtual experiences and virtual collections. Um, and off the back of that worked with um, a lot of big brands in collaboration with the Charlie Cohen brand. Um, so like Pokemon, Assassin's Creed, Reebok, Hello Kitty. And I think, you know, these bigger brands coming in or dipping their toe in the water is very important for validating this concept of digital or, um, you know, metaverse um, works. Um, but what's more interesting for me and what we're really building Restless for um, is this new generation of artists and creators that are being enabled and given autonomy um, by this new industry um, and making it easy for them to create, to be able to build brands and businesses without having to jump through all of the hoops of, I guess, take the fashion industry as an example. Um, it's incredibly expensive to create um, and market your first collection. You have to be in the right city. You have to have been to the right school. You know, you have to have been able to afford to spend a year or two doing uh, unpaid or barely paid internships. Um, the barriers, the financial barriers to entry have been just so restrictive. 
Um, and now we have an opportunity to create a new fashion industry, a new art industry, a new music industry, where suddenly wherever you are in the world, if you have access to a device and the internet, you have an opportunity to build a brand, build a business, um, and you're not kind of limited to jumping through these hoops of the traditional industry. And I really think that is the most exciting piece. And that's really what's going to grow the space. Suddenly, you have all of these creative people who can become professional creators and, and follow their passion. Celebrities and big IPs coming into the space definitely helps push things along faster. But I think it's important to look at how the the big brands and these this new generation of creators can kind of leverage each other. So for the big brands, collaborating with these existing UGC creator communities kind of positions them as authentic within the different games and virtual social spaces that these independent creators live in. And then vice versa, the big brands coming in help to validate the market and this new kind of digital economy that's building and onboard kind of whole new mass market audience into the space. So it works very hand in hand. Great, thank you. And Andy, are there other kind of key um, players in this um, tech convergence world? Um, you know, we've mentioned influencers and, and, and brands, obviously, um, but um, are there any other kind of people that are really driving this forward? It's, it's really interesting to hear what Charlie was saying about, about her influences growing up and, and just how the internet played such a key role. Uh, I grew up in, in the 80s and my big influences were uh, well, my key influence was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> and if that doesn't just explain everything about me, <laughs> what I do and how I want to create, I mean, that was augmented reality back in the day. And that was convergence of technologies to try and get something done that shouldn't have been possible to really tell an astounding, wonderful story. And you're looking at what people are doing now to tell wonderful, astounding stories. That's the, that's the really beautiful thing for me um, about, about convergence is that it got to the stage um, a few years ago where the focus was on the technology. Uh, it was on the plastic and the metal, and they were just things, whereas it, it should be about the content. It should be about reason why people uh, care uh, and want to, you know, love, uh, be angry, be passionate and engage with something. So looking at these experiences and how people are using immersive technology and, and the convergence of technology as a tool for creation and people who don't, you know, Charlie's reference to um, democratization, I think is a really important one. Artists and uh, and creatives and uh, people outside you know the, and the fashion industry that charlie mentioned people outside of the the traditional comfort zone of technology are able to start to use this technology to try and tell their stories without being afraid of it without it being uh, gatekept and you, you mentioned uh, roger rabbit and um, i'm old enough to mention bed knobs and broomsticks as well into that mix of this convergence yeah and um yeah what, what a great um, experience it was um, do you think so now that the tools have changed, but have the rules changed? And the advertising industry has always been quite siloed, I think, quite focused in on singular mediums. And um, are the rules changing? Are they allowing more sidestepping, more collaboration? Or is it a case of a few mavericks that are doing things differently and every now and then something's shining and you know, coming through as, as, a, as a great example of what can be done? How is it working at the moment? How are these collaborations happening? I think it definitely feels like the tools are to hand a lot more, a lot more quickly in people's phones. People are able to uh, dev quick, uh, draw code, 
design, create uh, so quickly and deploy to platforms that are open to them to create this content. So I think there there are there is an opportunity for uh, folks to just be mavericks and create these experiences and and generate excitement without being controlled by some big corporate to make it happen. And I think that's really inspiring and, and shouldn't be seen as, a, as, as something to um, make brands' jobs harder. It should make their job easier to be able to kind of work with some really inspiring ways of engaging with the world. In the context of advertising, I think we've just seen this very kind of marked shift first of all you know you're looking to external media to be the tastemaker and the the validator it shifted from that to influencers so you have these kind of inspirational people aspirational people and they're the ones that you're being most influenced by and now it's shifted again to be very much peer-to-peer so you're looking to your friendship group and the people that you can fully relate to they're the ones who you're most influenced by so when it comes to advertising, marketing, I think collaborative content is extremely important. Nobody wants to feel sold to, everybody's become progressively more savvy, which is why traditional influencer marketing has become progressively less effective over the last few years. So, you know, how do you compel your audience to want to like co-create and share with you? Um, I guess, you know, take TikTok, for example, like what do you do as a brand that makes the community want to duet with this video and and that's a really interesting point as well because i guess you know as well as the democratization of creativity and tools you've also got the creators having global audiences they can tap into so finding people no matter where they're based that are just into what they're into and i guess that really provides uh, a marketplace i guess for for you know kind of creating physical things that can be sold as well um that that probably ordinarily due to the dynamics of the market of retail, you know, wouldn't have been served. But I think now, I guess, with the direct-to-consumer kind of options that are available, I guess we're finding that you can just service them much more easily. These kind of dreams can become realities and become kind of profitable ventures. And I guess that's the business you're in, Charlie. Yeah, I guess, you know, I can talk about fashion specifically. When I started, we were very much dependent on wholesale. Everything would go out to the consumer through the filter of what the wholesale buyer, the store buyer thought would be a good market fit. And, you know, over time, it became clear how diluted the end product was becoming, both from how the brand was being represented in the world, um, and also the type of audience we were building, which wasn't actually the initial target audience that we had for the brand. Um, So as soon as you remove this kind of middleman filter um, and start to have this very... um, you know, direct connection with the community, I guess, you know, this idea of um, creating, you know, uh, establishing a product market fit suddenly becomes so much easier, so much quicker. And um, Andy, what about uh, some of these other kind of sectors to film, gaming, sport? I guess they've always been, you know, certainly kind of sport have always been quite involved in the gaming industry in some way or form, like the likes of kind of EA and and FIFA. Entertainment brands as well have got a natural fit. Are there things that brands can learn from the way in which these industries have operated and collaborated? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's there's a lot that um, that 
uh, we can learn from the way that the, the industry of, of gaming and, and film have, have operated. And, and I think it was really interesting looking at, you know, the likes of motion capture that came to fruition in film and gotten uh, involved into video games. And I'm really excited to see how that then ventures into the experiential so that the user can have agency in the way a film or a real life in world out of home experience could happen and and how they can use the technology that was used for making these big blockbuster films and AAA titles for video games can be used to create entertainment to share with your friends and family you know the likes of Secret Cinema and Punch Drunk Theatre, who are very much a kind of traditional immersive theatre companies in the UK, how they're going to start using technology to tell these stories. We're going to get into a, a world where we're not going to be able to say if we're going out to the theatre or the cinema or to play a video game because they're all going to be smushed together mm. and it's going to be very much the same thing i think that's super exciting you mentioned sport and looking at motion capture and the spatial capture of a world has come into the world of sport and i think that's so exciting let's look at the brand of hawkeye in tennis that is a household name that is used for both the display of content in sport but also the way sport is regulated in tennis. And it's the same technology behind VAR. And that's an everyday thing that we as sports fans are engaging with as a brand, but then is helping to power the way that we engage with the sport and the sports brand. But what an exciting thing to be able to gamify that. And sport will soon be something that we can interact with. And we can all sit around as a family watching a game on TV and all have separate experiences. I think that's a really exciting point as well to talk about this conversion between kind of fashion and technology in particular, because, you know, you can definitely see a world where the heart monitors and the things that we use for sport and the data that are fed back, you know, the optostats can just be built into the fabrics of clothes. So um, I guess that's a really interesting space. And Charlie, I don't know whether you start to think about things like that, but you're making fashionable items, but, you know, from digital ideas. And I guess it's just about the size and, and strength of the technology as to how technical that kind of real world item ends up being. But I guess the desire is there to do more, to be more useful to the user, particularly when it comes into sport, that you can see a real world use case where actually there could be a lot of technology built in that could be incredibly informative for the, uh, whether it's the player or the coaches on the sideline. That, that's a really interesting space that we could be getting into. Yeah, I think um, it's, um, I mean, there's been a lot of focus in physical wearables and like smart fabric tech, smart fashion tech over the last few years. It's not something that we've specifically worked in, but I have worked a lot in um, kind of technical performance wear. So it's I've had crossover with it. You know, I guess I think about digital experience in the same way. Anything that you can do to optimize what you're already doing is kind of a no-brainer. So that, you know, when, when we're looking at, you know, smart tech being built into fabrics, when we're looking at fashion industry using um, like NFC chips and blockchain to track the life cycle of a garment, when we're looking at sort of reconciliation of physical and digital identity, we're already existing in like multiple different spaces all the time you think of like how many different social networks that you're on in addition to the physical world even if you're not a gamer but potentially you're in game spaces as well 
how do we just remove all of these different like walls between these spaces so that you're moving through everything fluidly? And I guess, you know, same thing for smart technology in physical wearables. How do we make everything more fluid? So you're not having to, you don't have to have like six different devices in addition to your t-shirt or your jacket. It just becomes like one fluid experience. And, and also, um, Charlie, what because um, the world of fashion is incredibly fast and you're dealing with a lot of people with opinions and it's a lot, a lot of it's taste driven. And I guess you're experimenting all the time and you're putting things out there and it can be kind of hit or miss or can, you know, can be fashionable for, for only so long. And then the next thing comes along. So it, it, to some degree, there's quite a lot of risk involved in it. And I guess that's probably from a brand's perspective, you know, getting involved in some of these new areas and spaces is, is also attached to quite a lot of a lot of risk. So what um, would you say that brands could learn from, you know, how you operate and what you've learned from mixing fashion with these new worlds and also working with influencers and individuals? Can brands take get any good takeaways from that? Well, I'd say you can significantly reduce risk by creating fashion and digital because one, you get to test products that would potentially go into physical production um, and get a good read on whether it's worth going into production with them. You can also build collections that are purely designed for digital much more cost effectively than creating physical collections. You know, you can create a whole new revenue stream where you're working with like a majority profit margin compared to physical fashion where the profit margins, if you are the designer, tend to be very tricky to build a scalable business with. So actually this gives like way more opportunity and significantly less risk than just designing in the physical realm. I just love the idea how you're talking about the functionality of fashion and the functionality of heart monitors. In, uh, and I, I just love the idea of, because that, you know, I, I don't have a smartwatch and I don't want to see my heart rate. But if it if my heart rate affected how my clothes looked and my pulse and kind of my gut bacteria change the color like that would be really incredible i'd love that whether it was you know that's something that you could have that came into your digital world but if it happened in, in the physical world as well i just absolutely buzz off of the uh the world that charlie works in i think that's a key thing with draw and code is we're influenced and inspired by our collaborators so the partners and organizations and brands and arts and heritage uh, institutions um, we have to become many experts in in them and what they do. And, and through that, we're able to peer like really simple ways of creating magic as a solution for something that, that was staring them in the face. And, and so I think using technology and the, and the convergence of technology to make this easier for those organizations and industries to be able to, to do that themselves and collaborate and work together and, and create those magic moments, basically using making beautiful experiences uh, using technology as magic. That's a fantastic added contribution as well. And I guess just in terms of whether you think that there are things that, you know, brands need to just learn from what's happening at the moment. You know, let's say there's a lot of a brands observing at the moment, observing fantastic kind of collaborations happening in these kind of worlds colliding. Um, you know, and, and Charlie's talked about actually the risk is actually a little bit less if you, you know, if you do it in the right way. Um, any other any other thoughts on on that as well for brands? You know, I mean, you know, we, we're going through a bit of a hard time as well for brands. You know, budgets are being cut a little bit. Um, there's a bit of a squeeze. You know, is is now the time to do this, or or is there a way of doing it to to do it cautiously, but you know, but but still gain your wins from from getting involved. 
I think the community are engaging with content so much more passionately than brands give them credit for. You, you look at something like uh, augmented reality on Snapchat is used more than anyone engages with Twitter as a platform. That's not spoken about because you don't talk about filters as augmented reality, but everybody is absolutely viciously excited and uh, bursting at the seams to engage with content and surprising ways of seeing the world. They, people want to be inspired by the world around them. Brands can can do this in, in really uh, simple ways. They don't have to worry about kind of overcomplicating it with uh, big budgets. They could do something really simple and sweet and people would love them for it. Great. I'd I like to... Um kind of get onto a few examples as well to inspire our, our kind of listeners as to, you know, what, what can happen out there. So, um, you know, one of those things is about kind of storytelling as well. You know, with all this tech convergence, there is, um, uh, you know, an, a greater need for creative storytelling, I guess, to make sense of these these weird and wonderful combinations of things. Um, are there any kind of examples that you can cite that have caught your eye, things that have happened in the past, things that are, that are, that are happening now? Um, and what about, you know, things that you'd love to see in, in five to 10 years time as well? Um, Charlie, what comes to mind for you? Um, I mean, I'll give an example of one of um, one of my favorite projects that we've done. So in 2020, we worked with a Sanrio IP, Gudetama. If you are not familiar with Gudetama from the recently released Netflix series, they are essentially a depressed egg yolk. And it's kind of, you know, explored in a very like darkly humorous way. And we created a fashion collection, um, but really wanted to tell a story around mental health awareness. So we created a VR experience that basically, again, kind of through this, you know, slightly like humorous kawaii Gudetama lens put you in the head of Gudetama. So you saw the world through the eyes of someone who was suffering from depression. We had a physical and digital collection for both of which a percentage of proceeds went to Mind Mental Health Charity. The collection was available in VR. It was also a physical collection that had AR filters attached to it. There was an in-game collection in a mobile game called High Rise. And it was the first time we really explored this idea of interoperable identity. But attached to that was what we feel was a really important story to tell and experience to share. And it was a really kind of powerful moment doing that collection and that event. Andy, what about you? What comes to mind? The thing that really stands out for me about how we need to create experiences in the coming years is um, much to complement what Charlie's saying, is looking at how we can create experiences to support people's mental health um, and betterment of being kind to one another. We did a VR experience <laughs> as well. It's just coincidental that uh, it's, it's similar to Charlie for the University of Liverpool called Shelter. And it was to allow students to uh, connect uh, in a virtual environment, in a meditative in, uh, environment, and to um, have mental health support and be able to be on their own or be collected with with fellow students or or meet with someone to to hear and and to chat, um, and and I think um, that that kind of content is so important, and that's being trialed and 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 being worked on at the university now, and I, I think that kind of support and can, connection in the world is 
um, is is so important with how experiences are are being made and how people are using technology and, and just being aware of that. It's a great example, and I think I think so so much of um, you know um, health and education uh, stands to improve by you know what could be achieved from these kind of new world alternate spaces really but you know we've talked about fashion gaming uh, film and sport but we haven't really talked about the conversion of you know kind of the charity sector the health sector um which i think is a really really important point i think they're probably you know in education are probably the, the sectors that are probably leaping in you know into this more probably behind the scenes but uh but i think um they're probably the ones that see the most amount of change um being forecast in you know the next five to ten years and and so in the five next five to ten years um let's leave our kind of listeners with some you know let's not call them predictions let's call them some hopes and dreams about you know what what the world might look like in this space what kind of collaborations might happen um charlie what does your world look like so i think it really is about removing this barrier between the physical and digital world and there's this concept of the metaverse of being um about being absent from reality, about being like in a headset and not engaging with the physical world. Um, the way that I see the metaverse and the way that I think um, we are like as builders in the space, collectively building it out, it's about having these layers on top of physical reality that really enhance it, enhance connection, enhance meaning, enhance the beauty of the world, enhance communication and community. And, you know, that's what I see happening where it's again it's there's this fluidity of engaging with all of these layers of experience rather than having to jump between devices and uh you know lose attention from the physical world you can experience it all whilst being very present in the world just to echo what charlie's saying this this fluidity between experiences and this kind of collaboration between the, the physical and digital i think it's going to be really exciting in the next five to ten years looking at mixed reality and how people will be able to engage with the real world and people in the real world using overlay the uh, universes and parallel dimensions and seeing that come to life and being able to uh go i'm I'm uh, on the corner of uh, the street. Uh, underneath the streetlight, there's going to be a film noir experience. I'm just going to turn up and see that, and and run into a bunch of other strangers that want to engage that, and they'll they'll be able to run into a uh, a private detective that takes them on this adventure that is auto-generated or generated by users in the community in the environment around the city. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, this brings a, a nice point to wrap up the podcast. Um, we've talked about so many fantastic things today. We haven't even got onto the subject of AI and how this is going to affect the industry either as well. And with companies like Stable Diffusion doing incredible things in the UK, um, I think we, we're going to see a, a lot of change in the next you know, few months, let alone you know, five to 10 years. Um, the description of what you've just described there, Andy, I think is is so exciting. We've heard so many good things today about you know how audiences are moving to more uh, communities and how really is the democratization of creativity that has really allowed for this explosion of possibilities. And um, and also just how actually bringing the physical and digital worlds much closer together actually reduces your risk. It allows you to be able to experiment more, try more. And even in the world of fashion, there's so many more possibilities of what can be created. These previous barriers that we've had are being knocked down. And I think that it's a really exciting world that we're in, uh, bringing this kind of parallel dimensions, as uh, you labeled it, Andy, much closer together. We really are getting into the Spider-Verse and, and the good side of it, the, the really enjoyable part of it as well. So um, 
Thank you all for your time. I'm your host, Dina Wise-Lamptey, and Andy Cooper and Charlie Cohen, thank you for being a guest today. Thank you.